Hi, this is David Yaz of the Boston Podcast Network. We hope you are staying safe, sound, and sane as this year continues to drag on and we do all that we have to do to get through this pandemic. Well, how about this? If you want to be on a Zoom call that isn't dreadfully boring, please join us for Zoomapalooza, an interactive adventure of fun, games, comedy, and who knows what else. Tickets are absolutely free or hire us for your next office or corporate event. Just visit pod617.com slash Zoom. That's pod617.com slash Zoom. Now enjoy the following production of pod617.com, the Boston Podcast Network. Are you ready? From the Pod 617 Studios in Westwood, Massachusetts, it's the Boston Podcast with David Yaz and a rotating cast of characters from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. This is our Yes, sir, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, all the ships at sea, lovers, muggers, and thieves. Welcome to the Boston Podcast. My name is Dave, as the announcer guy pointed out. If you like this podcast, I encourage you to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, leave us a review, share the show with a friend, share the love. Lord knows we could use it. I have an awesome guest. Her name is Alexi Law. She is, and I'm going to ask her if that's her real name. That's the first, <laughs> it's the first thing you're wondering, right, I listeners? How, how could you... <laughs> <laughs> oh, this will require a deep dive. You know what, Jimmy? Clear the rest of my schedule. We got to figure out how someone could possibly have such uh, a, a slick sounding and impressive sounding name. Alexi is an award winning consultant, business strategist. She works with a company. She has a company called the Art Science Group, where she provides business advisory and coaching services to executives and leaders. Basically, she makes super impressive important people even more impressive and more successful than they would have been otherwise and she's my guest today alexi welcome welcome thank you dave so how how are you how is your pandemic going lately you know i just i have to address the first point that you had made about my name yes my name is pronounced alex alex i'm sorry um, and no it's okay because it's spelt uh, a l l e x e so it, most people do want to pronounce the E at the end of it or pronounce it in a very different way. So it usually is the fourth try that people get it right. Okay. Should we start the show over here? Let's start the show over. <laughs> here we go. Welcome to the Boston Pod. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to do that. Come on. But I apologize. <laughs> and, no what, and, what, and what did you, your parents just want to sentence you to a lifetime of spelling out your name and explaining well, to you? Right, exactly. So my mother was a really creative person. Mm -hmm. And I had an uncle who when I was born, they said I looked just like the great uncle. And his name was Alexander. Mm. So my mother said, Okay, we can't call her Alexander, but we'll try to create a female version of that. Mm -hmm. And so she came up, up with Alex. And then the middle name is Andrea. So it's Alex Andrea Law. So that's how she got around it. You sound like a, a Hollywood film star of the 20s or something. That's what uh, they say. Alex Andrea. Andrea, uh, I just don't have the voice. That they were looking for a female version of Alexander. I believe Alexandra is actually a name well, they, also. That would have been easier. Really, it really would have been. I mean, that, all my uh, years going through explaining um, how to say and um, spell my name. Well, you and I have something in common that we're constantly spelling our name. For me, it's my last name, which is all of three letters, but it's the most misspelled three-letter last name yeah. in, in America. So 
How has life been for you? Let's start with with that. You look none worse for the wear. You look chipper this morning. But but tell me, has 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 life been completely upside down in 2020, or not quite? Something in between, or what? Well, I think it's like with all of us that we have all experienced personally. You know that when this hit us, what does this mean? What does this mean for our families? What's safe? What's not safe? I think we're all trying to figure that out and navigate it. And then little by little, you would see that people will say, okay, we can't continue doing this. We need to, to pull back. So I think it's been uh, difficult and interesting for all of us. I mean, I think some businesses are doing really well during this pandemic, especially the technology companies. And then other businesses like the service industry are really having a hard time. So obviously, I also took a hit. My business took a hit because I did a lot of in-person working with teams um, on team dynamic and meeting with clients. Fortunately, I do coach clients with using video conferencing, using Zoom, and I've been doing that for about five years. But I also had that in-person touch too. So it definitely impacted my business as well as many other uh, people out there. But I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I have. I think people are now at that point where we have a better understanding of what's going on, are opening up to um, conversations with people, are starting to look at our needs. So I'm yeah. doing well. So that's good. And I appreciate that you've sort of pivoted like the, the rest of us. I, you said that you said something interesting there that it's a weird time when we're trying to figure out what's safe. And you'd think this thing hit like what at the beginning of March and here we are in late October and you think we would have figured out completely what the rules are and everything. But I don't know about you. I'm just curious. I ask everybody this. Do you find what I find that there are some, some people, people are all across the board still, even though, right. the, even though we've got some guidance from the CDC and the government and, and governor Baker and whoever, there are these people that I'm, I'm think I'm going to start to call them the shruggers because it's like they'll ask you, hey, do you want to go grab some lunch? And the, the first thing is, well, what, like in person, in person, or are we going to eat, eat lunch? In front? And then it's like, OK, well, we're, we're going to now maybe we'll eat outside at this restaurant. And I'm like, did you want to sit inside? And the, the people kind of shrug and they're like, nah. So there's there are some people that I think it's not that they're totally cavalier and i mean there are the anti-maskers and those people are nuts as far as i'm concerned but then there are the people in between who are kind of like eh, i don't know are we supposed to still do that anymore do you right. find do you find right. it do you find it's weird in approaching people as to what their rules are yeah i think we started off with that need to want to get together with different people and friends and it's what's safe and what's not and we began with people saying you bring your own food it's going to be outdoors we'll mm. have chairs that are six feet apart you bring your own drink, you bring your own food, and we're good. And then you go to another house, same thing. You're thinking the same thing's going on, and then someone brings out a tray of food, and you're like, do we touch the food? I know, right. <laughs> the food? Do, like, we look at the food. Right. Now we're, and then they actually break it up into little individual portions, so they're passing it around. Right. So it's like, hmm, some people are eating it, but do I eat this? Do, is this really okay? So I think we're always in every situation we're navigating it. Is it okay now to pull down the mask at this this event? We are six feet apart. Some people aren't comfortable with right. it. So it's that, it's that social social uh, cohesion too piece yeah. of it where you say, okay, maybe I'll keep mine up too, even though I think we're okay because we're outdoors and we're six feet apart. So I think we're all still navigating. I think it's also understanding what people and the people that you're with, what they're comfortable with too and respecting that. 
but I do think in going back to what you were saying about the messaging, I think the messaging has been all over the place. I think from starting from Washington and our leadership. And because of that, I think there's a, we're on a bit, a little bit on our own in trying to figure this out. And then we get different messages, maybe from our, our governor and from the municipalities. I think everyone is trying to understand it. And I don't think we have a full handle on it. I do think we are hearing over and over again that yes, masks are, a really good idea. But again, like you said, you'll go into certain environments. There's clearly that divide, the people who wear masks and the people who don't think you should be wearing masks. So I think we all know that that divide exists. And so we're trying to just navigate that and and check out our environment and the people that we're with and figuring out the best approach at the same time, trying to make sure that we're safe and we keep our loved ones safe, especially if we're dealing with an elderly parent that we're going to see or seeing others. We want to make sure that we're not the carrier. Yeah, for sure. When someone breaks out the sandwiches, I don't want to be rude. So I'll take a little slice of the sandwich and then just dump about eight to 12 ounces of hand sanitizer on top of it before, before I eat it. I think that's what you're supposed to do. So, so that's a little thing for the flavor, but yeah, you're right. It doesn't taste good. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. And, but according to our president, if you ingest enough of that, I guess you'd never get it. Right. Yeah. If you put a little bleach on it, it might have another. Yeah. Right. A little, little bit of a bleach shaker, you salt, pepper and bleach by right, by right on the, the dinner table at all times. So you are, company is art science group and by the way you can find out more about now now i'm gonna it's alex right i'm just saying alex Alex. Alex. okay now i'm gonna write it down well you know what actually it's funny because linkedin now has a feature where they ask you to say your name into a microphone so that people can click a button to see how it's spelled so i actually did that so to think of it as this way it's an a a hyphen then lex and then you'll be able to pronounce it right Oh, I'm trying to hit it now on your LinkedIn page. Let's see. Oh, wait, the something's wrong with the tech. The, Jimmy, Jimmy, the, the, the sound is all off here. Hold on. Technical difficulties. All right, here it is. Here it is right here. Alex? Law. <laughs> I laughed over it. Let me play it again. Alex? Law. That's good. If I forget, I'm just going to hit that button. And, uh, and yeah, so I should do that too. That's fun. I, I'm, I'm just going to say, like, instead, it, you'll click on David Yaz and you'll just hear me saying, Tom Brokaw, just to, just to mess with people or somebody else. So, again, it is artsciencegroup.com if you want to learn more about Alexa's company and what she does. Why is it called Art Science Group? Let's start with that. You know, one of the things, if I was to sum up what I do, I do executive coaching, leadership coaching, and then I help businesses that are looking at, they're experiencing some kind of uncertainty. And so if I was to sum up everything I do, it's really, I I work uh, with leaders as well as businesses on change, right? And it's change where there is some kind of uncertainty and there's a, some kind of an emotion behind it. So it's it can be that it's a, an executive working on their leadership style, or it's an organization going through some growth challenges. It could be looking at their culture or they're looking at the directions for growth and challenge areas that they have. And then the other area is changes in customer behavior, right? So especially right now, there's so much going on in regards to COVID. It has really affected um, the values and priorities of everyone, right? And so one of the things is to take a look at how has this affected your customers and customers' behavior? And one of the things I've been spending my time on recently is looking how behavior, people's behavior have changed. And I've done surveys with hundreds of people just to find out what do they think they'll be doing differently? What are the, how are they thinking differently? 
And some of the areas that, especially for businesses, is that 75% of customers, consumers, um, have changed their behaviors online. So they're now buying online when they didn't buy online, and they're changing brands at unprecedented rates. Mm. So with that in mind, businesses really, this is a time to, instead of pull back, is to really look at what's going on with your customers, really understand their journey and their behavior and how COVID has affected them and how you might need to shift your product or service to address those changes in their life. So give um, us give us an example of that. Like how, like what are some headlines as to how consumers and clients have changed their, I guess, habits and needs, right? So, right. So definitely they're looking online. They're being uh, more selective. They're really looking for people who speak to them. So for example, if you're someone who they're going to be getting food from or anything of that sort where it's, they want to find out, is it contactless? What are you doing to protect me? For, to make sure that I'm not going to get something from the food that you're giving, or how are you going to drop it off, or how are your, how are your, how's the hygiene for your employees? Mm. So people are really scrutinizing that kind of information right now, and they also want to know that they're caring and caring in this situation, and they have some compassion. So they're really looking at those that speak to them and speak to the changes that are going on. And it's not necessarily also just the communication on the digital end of things, but it's also is, your, is there a disconnect with what you're offering and what, and what I need? And I'll just give you some examples. This is sort of pre-COVID, but it's how this is used. Mm. There was a, my colleague was working in Europe and she was working with an in Europe insurance, insurance company. And the insurance company was interested in receiving more of the small business market share. They wanted to obtain more of the small business market share. Mm-hmm. And that's a really wide ask. So the ask was, Okay, what part of small businesses are of interest to you? And in particular was bakeries, because Europe is full of bakeries, right? And their bakeries are expanding and franchising. And so they thought that this would be a very good market to get into. And so what we did through this process was to try to understand what's going on with the bakers. Mm. And so through the, and it's really about the journey. It's not like the demographics of the bakers. It's like, really, what are your concerns? Like, what, what do you think about? What do you, what do you do the first thing when you get up? And what do you do at the end of the day? And what do you think about? And what are your major concerns throughout the, the running your business? And what came out was that um, one of the biggest concerns was that they didn't have a digital presence. And it wasn't something that they had a lot of knowledge about. How do I go about setting up a digital presence? But it wasn't just for marketing their bakery. It was because they wanted to be able to connect with other bakers to um, understand where they got their, where they were sourcing certain uh, materials and certain. Or stuff like how how they set up. People want online ordering now for bakeries where they never would have before. And so you're saying all, all these bakers are comparing notes. Right. It was like, let's let me understand yep. your supply chain, right? Because supply chain was completely disrupted during this COVID period. Mm-hmm. So the second thing they discovered through those interviews was that biggest challenge they have is when there's construction in the area because they can lose up to 75% of their business during the period of the construction. Mm-hmm. So what this insurance company did, and when you think about it, one insurance company from the other, it's hard sometimes to distinguish. And that's why they really wanted to go through this effort. And what they ended up doing was creating an insurance package that not only brought, provided insurance, but it also provided a digital platform for the bakers to communicate. When, and that's really a, not a big cost when you think about it. 
and they provide a food truck in the case that there is a construction project in the area that they can still access their clients and get out there. Mm. So that's an example of designing a package based on a shift in, in this case, it was getting to better understand what was going on with a a segment of the the market that they were interested in increasing. I'll give you one other example was a a publishing company that um, I worked with that was looking at the future of business content and the future of um, subscribers. And a lot of the users were corporations, but it's a bit on the decline, right? Mm -hmm. To subscribe to business case studies and, and business content. And people are looking for smaller pieces of information that's more absorbable. And so what they were looking at was what's the future for our publishing company? And one of the areas they identified was corporations as being a, an area where there's there's rising leaders and then there's the executives. And the executives receive executive coaching, but it's expensive and it's hard to scale for that mid-level rising leader. So what they did was they said, okay, how do we look at addressing this population of mid-level or rising leaders who it's very costly if there's a lot of churn and there tends to be if they don't get that kind of support. So they said, well, let's look at technology and the knowledge base that we have. And then based on our understanding of how people like to learn, they like to have it adapt to their situation. They don't just want to be given content. They want to adapt to, I'm dealing with this person right now, or I'm dealing with this situation. What do I do? And then I've tried this out and now give me feedback on that. And so the approach we used is to look at prototyping artificial intelligence as a way to provide adaptive coaching. So we did do this, and it wasn't going out and building a whole artificial intelligence platform. What we did was simulated an artificial intelligence platform with myself being the the, the coach providing feedback based on the situation, and then uh, writers and others involved in making this seem as, as real as possible, but also someone who had a background in artificial intelligence that would say, okay, what is, what is Alex picking up as a coach that we could, that an artificial intelligence algorithm could pick up on? And so it was a great, the result of it was there was great information for this publishing company to move forward on their next direction. But it's a way to get- So wait, hold on. Let me stop you for a sec. Okay. Slow down there, Ms. (laughs) Ms. Robot. I was going to call you Mr. Robot, but because you, first of all, you, you studied artificial intelligence at MIT, right? I'm going to allow you to show up. I I noticed that in your bio. Yeah. And which must've been cool. And it's, a scary thought for a lot of us. I think of artificial intelligence as something that will eventually, you know, take over and destroy us all because I watched the TV show black mirror and they, they warn us that the robots are going to win in the end. But, but I guess more to the point in practical sense, I think of like the, the chat robots, if you're on, I don't know, Amazon or eBay or something and a little box pops up and says, how can I help you? And you think you're talking they actually kind of make you think you're talking to a real person, but you're talking to a robot. So in terms of your client, the, the, your, your, the publishing outfit, were they interested in that sort of thing in creating, in creating something that would talk a robot that would talk to their clientele or, or what? So they wanted to test that to see how rising leaders would respond to it because mm-hmm. they clearly had all the content to provide but they had to adjust it to the to the situation. And so what they did was they from that that they, they decided that that might not be the direction, but they came up with another direction based on that feedback because the rising leaders used the use this simulation 
for two weeks straight. And at the end of that two weeks, we were able to ask them in great detail about what did you like? What didn't you like? How was your experience? And what we found is that each of the three of them were very, very different in regards to their particular needs. We had a, one aspect of it was that if you felt a need, you could ask the coach in person, right? So that you could just say, I'd like to speak to the coach in person. Okay. So it's definitely, it's like what pieces it's taking from that experience, what pieces are keepers and which, which pieces are not keepers? And then how can this be applied Maybe it's being used in a different format. Maybe it's working with providing content to coaches. So those are the, that's the information that they were able to take from this experience to say, these are the different directions we can go with this that we think will be beneficial. Do you, from what, everything you know about artificial intelligence, what kind of things, provided it continues to advance and sort of infiltrate business, not necessarily in a bad way, but become more part of the business community and, and fabric as we know it. If we were to fast forward 10 years or maybe even 20 years, what sort of things could we expect artificial intelligence to, to handle? What kind of evidence of, of it would, will we see in the future? Well, so I think what I think of as the best use is when you have streams and streams of data mm. and that data isn't put to best use, right? Where you, if you can use an algorithm or an approach, and again, I'm not saying this, this is easy peasy in any way, because there's a lot of thought that has to go into it. There's the ethical concerns and who's, who's behind the development of these algorithms and has it, is it biased in any way? So there's a lot of- Facebook is dealing with now because they, this is no secret, but because I, I noticed this as many as three to five years ago, but you know, you'll, you'll, be surfing the web for, I don't know, a crock pot, a new crock pot or a new, whatever they call the new cooking device or whatever. And then you'll decide not to buy one. And then the next day you're on Facebook and there were like three ads in your Facebook oh, stream right. for these products. Right. And it's right. like, well, how did they know? And just, they know. And, and then it's like, well, what else do they know? And, right. and so. Yeah. If you would give me where I think it can be beneficial, for example, in medical data, and being able to crunch some of that medical data and be able to okay, give sure. you um, some advice on that end about where what we where a, a doctor might want to look in addition to what they're thinking. I also think government could be a great place for that because sometimes the review of certain projects can take a long time because it's backlogs. And if you could have artificial intelligence be able to screen using the regulations as a, a screener, so you have all the regulations and then you have an applicant that comes in with a project why can't we use that to, to flag where there might be discrepancies with the regulations? So I, I think there's a lot of areas where it could really add value, but other areas, like you said, can be scary. And, and it's like Big Brother. When does it cross the line? Have you seen that documentary on Netflix, The Social Dilemma? No. I have not. I heard yeah. it was good, though. I'll, during a, Coming up in the show, hey, this is called a, a teaser in the podcast business, Alex. We will do an edition of good stuff where both Alex and I will recommend something good. And I'll actually talk about this documentary, which is interesting and kind of scary. And in a nutshell, it, it kind of talks about the fact that outfits like Facebook are really, what they really are, are advertising engines. In other words, you should be able to figure it out. When you use Facebook, there's no fee. You sign up for free. So mm -hmm. why are you getting something for free? Because the advertisers are paying. And so it, Facebook is an amazing tool in terms of gathering information. All the stuff people put on Facebook, that's all the stuff. It, I, and it, it, it hit me probably late. I was probably like a real dummy on this, but those silly 
those silly polls come up on Netflix that say, hey, figure out what what character in Game of Thrones you're most like. Or there'll be just a random question that says, what, what was the first concert you went to? And you think it's innocent, but that question, what was the first concert you went to? You'll notice that's also a question that comes up for those security questions that you answer instead of providing your mother's uh, maiden name. Right. And so there is some bot that's actually, that that might be an entree for a hacker. And so, mm-hmm. yikes! So, right. you, so it's, it's scary and, but, but you, you seem mostly bullish on this. In other words, optimistic of the, of the value of artificial intelligence. Yeah. And I think, as I said, more in spaces where there's so much data, not necessarily getting data from consumers for advertising as much, but more as helping with health, helping with decision-making on that end is where I think it could be very beneficial. So you can imagine a day where we were all wearing some version of an Apple Watch and the Apple Watch, in addition to all your, <clears throat> everything you do online is, is gathering information about your body. And I'm making this up, but, <laughs> but, 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 you know, the, the watch. I, I saw it as a chip under my skin, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, no, hey, I, Every TV show I've seen with the chip under the skin, it ends up with some character frantically cutting out with a razor blade. So I'm not doing that. Although that is a real thing. I have a friend who told me that they bet someone who has has a chip in, in their wrist or something. that, And so that could be coming too, folks. I mean, just the possibilities are, are quite frightening. But anyway, I mean, I, I, the, the, the medical device on your wrist that I'm describing that I, that I will never invent because I'm not smart enough could then tell you on a day like you, you should have gotten a little more sleep last night. Or I can tell from how late you were up and also something, your, your heart rate is a little increased because you're restless or something. I mean, I, I take it that's, uh, am I warm as to the, the kind of possibilities? Yeah, I, yeah. yeah, I was talk- actually talking to someone the other day about the fact that we right now have moved to telehealth, right? So we're getting more comfortable with telehealth and that that we may end up going back to doctor visits, but not as much because we've now reached this level of comfort with telehealth. But imagine a time where you're going, and, and actually when you think about it as an, a, a company, it could be extremely cost-effective if people are not taking all this time to go to a doctor's appointment where they can just get a private room and have a conversation with a doctor in the office or whatever, that saves so much time. And then what about why do we get tests done after the fact, like blood work or anything? Why can't we get that work done beforehand? And so the whole idea about how information and how we get information and and say you, you had your blood work and you had some tests done, then you see your doctor and then the doctor starts to come up with recommendations. And maybe there's this program that contacts you and says, hey, Alex, here's a great diet plan for you based on your recent results. Let us know how it works if you have any questions. So it's full circle. It becomes holistic, but it's taking that data and making it as beneficial as possible for the user. So you're saying doctors will be replaced by robots. No, Sounds I don't like that's saying that. Yeah. We, no, need, but, people. we yeah, need people. We, we sure do, but you know, I, rem- I used to be a fan of the show Northern Exposure, which featured, mm-hmm. were you a fan of that show? In Alaska? Yeah, exactly. So yeah. Rob Morrow played a character who is this neurotic Jewish doctor from New York, I guess, who lands in Alaska. And he's comparing notes with like the, the local shaman there who is a healer, but certainly not someone with a medical degree. And the, <clears throat> the healer 
send some patient off or some person off with a little bit of simple advice that didn't sound very medical. And Fleischman says, how can, how can you do that? You've got to take blood work. And the guy says, Fleischman, <clears throat> most, most things that people come to us with are going to go away on their own, like 80 to 90% of them. And so half the battle is making them feel comforted, like they got some good advice and they go off. And that this is going to make them feel better that day, at least in a, an emotional sense. And when you think about it, it's, it's actually true. So, so now I don't mean to diminish the importance of doctors in diagnosing like very serious diseases and something, but if a robot can take care of it, I know that's, this isn't exactly what you're saying, but if a robot can take care of a lot of the little maladies that we suffer every day, maybe that's for the best. And maybe actually, well, go ahead. They're, they're looking at the emotional piece of that and think about loneliness. Not to say again, that there's nothing better than having human contact, but that idea of having this sort of, not Alexa, but some other type of uh, robot there that's like, good morning, how are you doing today? Or I can tell from your tone of voice, you're not feeling well. And it, it just using it yep. as a communication tool to help people who are disabled, mentally disabled, or are elderly and lonely, they've found that it can be extremely beneficial. Yeah. Um, I live, I live alone and I talk to Alexa a lot and we get, <laughs> and we get in, I'm not kidding. Not we, Alex, Alexa. Not Alexa, Alexa, but we get in fights all the time. She always wins because she just says, I'm sorry, I don't have the answer to that, David. And I'm like, why are you so freaking useless, Alexa? And she'll say, I'm sorry, David, if you'd like to provide feedback, please visit the app or go online. And so, but, but I can tell you that sometimes my instinct is now I am very well aware that this is a, a robot, a device that, that sits on my coffee table, but it, it, but there's there is something to that. There is something to having to talking to someone to at least opening your mouth and saying something and getting a reply. And so right. I think they've only scratched the surface when it comes to that Alexa device or whatever home speaker you use, because it could. I mean, you imagine the day where it's more like the, there's a movie. Everything comes back to movies with me, Alex. But it's uh, the Joaquin Phoenix movie. It's called Her, I think. And basically, it, it's set in the not too distant future. And the version of Alexa that's talking to you is in your ear, not like Siri, right? But much right. more, much more sophisticated. And so you can have actual conversations with it. And he ultimately like falls in love with his, this disembodied voice. And as you watch it, you think that's not too far fetched. Yeah, it's, right. it's not too far fetched. So anyway, so uh -huh. very interesting stuff. More on Alexa and Art Science Group at artsciencegroup.com. Is that the best way for people to get in touch with you? Or would you like to put out some other contact info? Well, there's, you can contact me by my website or you can email me if you have any questions at alex.law. That's A-L-L-E-X-E dot L-A-W at artsciencegroup.com. Very good. In a moment, before we go, do you have a few more minutes for me? Sure. All right. So we're having so much fun. We're going over time a little bit, but we're going to do an addition of good stuff where both Alex and I will recommend something good. Before we do that, let me take a moment to tell you what we do here at the Boston Podcast Network. Pod617.com is where you go if you want your own podcast. We'll produce the whole thing soup to nuts. You can do the whole thing remotely, by the way, or in studio here in Westwood, Mass. We also produce live events. So if you're looking for a cool event, not your typical Zoom call, 
for your company, your firm, your organization, your nonprofit, perhaps something for the holiday party. Zuma Palooza is a live game show, which is part comedy, part fun, part talk show. Oh, it's just awesome. It's so much fun. Check it out at pod617.com slash Zoom. That's pod617.com slash Zoom. All right, enough pluggery. Let's, let's play good stuff. Oh, that's the good stuff. You don't like the B-52s? Did, no, okay, oh, so, so. Oh, so, so. oh, no. All right. You're fired. So, so. You're fired. Sorry. <laughs> this interview is over. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, Alex, as we do here, we recommend something good to cheer up our listeners or maybe give them some good recommendation or tip or something to uh, brighten their spirits during the pandemic. What do you have for us? I was thinking about this, and one of the things, just advice-wise, is to understand your own needs. And for me, I need to get out into nature on a regular basis and to get some exercise. And I know that that completely turns my day around if I go out and get some exercise first thing in the morning. Other people, it's read a book or it's socializing, whatever it may be. But it's, I think it's important to understand yourself and what you need and find time for that, especially during this times, because I think we're all getting to a point where we're on remote or virtually doing these Zoom meetings left and right. We need to focus also on the physical world too. The virtual world's okay, but we need to have time in the physical world and figure out what rejuvenates us. But in regards to a particular book that I'm thinking of, it's mm-hmm. a book called Power of Moments. Mm-hmm. And it ties into this and it's by Dan and Chip Heath. And it really focuses on about, similar to what I was talking about, the insurance company that sometimes everything can be, it's hard to distinguish them. But to try to find those times when you can make moments, make special moments and really change the vibe and change the environment, whether it's bringing on a new employee and celebrating that or celebrating wins. It's all about finding those times to create moments and celebrate. Yeah. The power of moments, why certain experiences have extraordinary impact is available in hardcover on Amazon. And I mean, if you want in hardcover, it's only 1649. You get a nice book for the shelf and also you can read it. Or it's fourteen ninety nine on Kindle, so that's a good one. I may check that one out. Very, I may get an audiobook. So I promised I would talk about this documentary that's on Netflix, and it is called the the Social Dilemma, and it it raises a lot of the questions that that you and I were talking about, Alexa. And I'll play a little bit of the the trailer here. It's on Netflix. Here's the trailer for the Social Dilemma. When you go to Google and type in climate change is, you're going to see different results depending on where you live and the particular things that Google knows about your interests. That's not by accident, that's a design technique. What I want people to know is that everything they're doing online is being watched, is being tracked. Every single action you take is carefully monitored and recorded. A lot of people think Google's just a search box and Facebook's just a place to see what my friends are doing. What they don't realize is there's entire teams of engineers whose job is to use your psychology against you. I was the co-inventor of the Facebook like button. I was the president of Pinterest. Google. Twitter. Instagram. There were meaningful changes happening around the world because of these platforms. I think we were naive about the flip side of that coin. We get rewarded by parts, likes, thumbs up. And we conflate that with value and we conflate it with truth. A whole generation is more anxious, more depressed. I always felt like fundamentally it was a force for good. I don't know if I feel that way anymore. 
Facebook discovered that they were able to affect real-world behavior and emotions without ever... So I'll, I'll stop it there. You get the point. And if you didn't, then the scary music should have clued you in. So it's a, it's a good take. It's, I mean, it's, it's a documentary. It runs probably somewhere between 90 minutes and two hours. The, they have people that, have, that are like expatriates, as you heard, from these, these social media platforms that actually worked and saw the inner workings and started to realize that there were downsides to this whole thing. And so mm-hmm. it's everything from the scary amount of information that outlets like Facebook have on you to what they described as a, a generation of, of depressed kids, which is probably an exaggeration, but you can see it, it's true that you do have a generation of, of people who, many of whom measure their success on how many likes they get on an Instagram post or a mm-hmm. Facebook post. And that's and, and we, how we've been sort of conditioned to that. If, if you, I am on Facebook a fair amount, I admit it, it's, it's, I consider it sort of a, a, a time waster, but sometimes a very good way to stay in touch with friends. And, uh, but it does, it's, it's like this little scoreboard. Now the, the documentary also in, in Alex, you saw this, the, the listeners didn't, but there were sort of, there are fictionalized vignettes in there where actors play people who are negatively impacted by so, social media. So if you go in with open eyes, it's a little bit of a, a, I don't know who's behind this documentary. Like I said, it's on Netflix, so it's, it's worth checking out, but it's a little manipulative. I guess. Uh-huh. I don't know. Did that, was that enough to scare you? Or, or yeah, well, what it is, is it creates an awareness of how much information is out there and how much of that can be used in different ways that you're not even aware of. And I think it, there is that whole generation. I mean, I didn't grow up in, with social media around me, but this other, my daughters did. Yeah. And so they were continually exposed to it, but never really, I mean, as parents were always like, be careful, but it gets to a point where they're all over on Facebook and different platforms. And it, it is one of those things that they don't have this. I mean, they do know that they, they're by using platforms that are free, that they're using your information. But to the extent that information is available and what amounts of information and yeah. what they're doing with that information, I don't think a lot of people have a good idea. So I think a documentary like this is fantastic to yeah. create that awareness. It's a good cautionary tale. It's good to know. And also it's a good reminder to put down your phone sometimes. That's a lot of these people in documentaries say, mm-hmm. I just, I turned off my phone for like a month, which is unfathomable to most people, but you need a break sometimes. So like you say, get outside, breathe the air. It's still and there. To, and the other thing I would say, it's not for the phone. It's not, don't be searching on it, but actually call a friend. Yeah. Because that people, what's happened is that often we have been scheduling getting together with our friends through through a text yeah. or, or email yep. or something of that sort, right? Mm-hmm. But back when I was growing up, you just call someone, right? Mm-hmm. And we feel like we need to plan, but we can't plan now because people aren't getting together in people's homes. It's getting cold. So just picking up the telephone call and calling a friend, people really like that. And they're open to having a conversation or saying, hey, listen, thank you so much for calling. I can't talk right now, but can you, do you have an hour, I mean, an hour from now where you're going to be available? Yeah. So I think and it's, that. Yeah, not only would you enjoy it and it sort of gets your synapses firing in a, in a productive, a, a good way, getting in touch with an old friend, like you say, the phone call, the simple, simply placing the call is a nice gesture and it's it free. It's free. And you're that right. person who hasn't heard from you in three months or a year or longer or whatever, they're going to be like, Oh, isn't that nice of them to call? Why are you calling? Just call to say hi. Just call to check in. Yeah. That's so difficult for people. It's really hard for people. Whereas if it's 40 years ago, that wasn't the case, but now right. it is. 
That's right. Well, Alex, it, it's it's taken me almost. Uh, no, I hit the wrong button. It's taken me almost uh, forty-five minutes to learn how to pronounce your name, but uh, I'm glad I got that accomplished today. And if you want more info on Alex, more importantly, and and what she does as a coach and a consultant, go to artsciencegroup.com. Artsciencegroup.com. And um, I hope you had fun. I did. Thank you for inviting me. And thanks. Uh hosting you got it it was inspiring to me i'm gonna get outside today in fact i might jump out the window right now <laughs> oh no it's, it's shut i better not do that anyway thanks for listening to the boston podcast if you like this podcast share it with a friend if you want info on our live game show hire us for your next company event go to pod617.com slash zoom go to pod617.com if you want your own podcast and on behalf of alex my name is dave i'm just a guy from boston but if you're not from boston You must be the other guy. Enjoy the day, everybody.